welcome to the Colton and Joe Show, episode 57, I believe. We're grinding out these episodes. We got our week 10 stand-up players, and also we're going to be reacting to Monday Night Football Live. I can bring up the stream on my phone so I get to watch it, too. Um, Colton Law's always got to go on TV. So yes, sir. It's, it's been the weekend, and there was it was, was a very interesting week for the NFL. We were discussing it off the air a little bit, and this is certainly going to be an, an action-packed Colton and Joshua episodes, I guess, because there's a lot of fun matchups to talk about here and um, a lot a lot to talk about. But before that, we always got to ask, how was your weekend? And uh, how was the Colton and Joshua the perfect segue to the most awesome weekend of your life? I need to know. Perfect segue. It was a pretty solid weekend. Um, we were supposed to have the Cinderella Bowls, but it got canceled for COVID, which was, you know, obviously annoying. But, you know, we still went and took pictures with my date and it took a long time. But, you know, that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's how things go. But Colton's yeah, making moves. Colton's oh, making moves out there. But I started off the weekend pretty hot with a, with a bonfire with my friends. And uh, it, was a, it was a good time. And um, I started off hot. Then uh, and Saturday and, and Sunday were kind of slow. Of course, I was watching for some Sunday football there. I missed part of the Steelers game due to church. But yeah. that's, that's fine. Um, I got the Steelers blew out the other team, so it's not like I missed out on anything exciting. And then I watched some Sunday Night Football, um, which we'll get into later. And then today I restart, resumed the fitness grind. I put that on my my Snapchat story if you saw that. Um, and no, I didn't put on my yeah. Snapchat. I, I don't know, but it was it was a good time. I'm getting some push ups and stuff. So the heavens have blessed me with the ability to watch the Steelers games. The, the past 425 games, church got canceled <laughs> both weeks. So I, I was able to watch, but with the weeks, but actually mm-hmm. my, my school got shut down, which I oh, really like um, the whole way. Yeah. We're back to fully virtual until at least Thanksgiving. That <sighs> shocks. Cause I don't know what that's going to mean. It like for going back, I don't know what that's going to mean for winter sports or anything of that sort. No, that's clue. brutal. So that that's, is, we're not even allowed to practice right now. So like, Oh, until they are able to like meet with the school board and this, so I know there's a school board meeting today, like probably just ended, um, but for our church, I mean for our school. So mm-hmm. I would assume we could call if they were, were going to shut down the school. But there's like three active cases, and there's like on the website it, it, it tracks all of the, the cases, like active cases, and there's three. Mm-hmm. So I, I refuse to believe that they're going to shut down the school over three cases, mm-hmm. but. That's the scuttlebutt is that they that they're going to, but I have no clue. We we we've had some active cases in our school, which is not a good thing. We're staying in session. Um, yeah, and it's just it's such a man. I just you know like I you you, you always you never want to go to school, but then once you're not able to, okay, yeah, I want to go see my friends now and uh, over more than Xbox. And you know, there's situations now. Things are probably going to go get a little tighter with restrictions everywhere as cases are starting to spike again, and especially over the holidays. I have no clue what's the, what the whole situation is going to be, but I'm hoping that uh, somehow, with, with heavenly intervention, we can start to see some progress. But, yeah, so hopefully, hopefully. Um, I know that's, I know that yeah, there's not going to be, winter track is going to start after Thanksgiving, so we, we, you know, you have to be in school to do that, so I, that's, but yeah, I'm trying to get, get there's a 5k on thanksgiving morning that i want to run at and then after that track starts so that's why i started now so i can not mm-hmm. suck <laughs> at track and stuff but that's i don't know it's, it's all right but i'll drop in 
I'm dropping maybe 10 right now, but I've, I would try to do them in between Ooh. classes, especially when I'm at home. So now my arms are tired because I stink. I'm, I have like the weakest upper body ever. And <laughs> so I'm at, my arms are super tired right now, but uh, I didn't, I was surprised when you told me that you did, were going to do basketball. I was kind of surprised because I didn't know you, you could. I like, cause, yeah, I always thought you were uh, like, cause you didn't like, actually, I always didn't know you actually play basketball at least, but I know you played like a b- bunch of pickup games and stuff. Yeah, I've always been a pickup guy, but I've got a bunch of friends on the team, and you know, I got hit with a like every single day, hit in with a bunch of messages like, "Hey, we need players. You want to play basketball?" And the coach was messaging me a bunch, and a bunch of teachers in on the ordeal. There was like a committee towards the end of there, so I I showed up and helped. So uh-huh. yeah, I, I wanted uh, to play basketball this year, but it didn't work out. So anyway, we. There's a good bit of news to get into, so we got some what we can talk in. There is. So we're going to start off with the first injury reserve player of the week here. We have David Johning back in Texans. Obviously, he did not play this week. The other D. Johnson's place, Duke Johnson, started and had himself a relatively nice game there. Um, but yeah, David Johnson's been placed on injury reserve. He is eligible to turn after three weeks, as all of these players are that go on the IR. Um and I don't, you know, we, he's not having a stellar scene, which, you know, was good. Well, well exactly what you predicted. Um, and the Texans are obviously having a pretty bad season. Um, yeah. So, you know, the run game hasn't really been able to get anything going. But Duke Johnson has honestly looked better than David Johnson this season. Yeah. And I'm not going to go out and say Duke Johnson's a better running back. Because Duke Johnson is known as kind of a receiver, receiving back out of the backfield, while David Johnson's a little bit more of a all-around threat. But Duke Johnson has definitely performed better this so I, I'm not entirely that David Johnson's going to come back and get a starting role. But we'll, we'll find out, I guess, three weeks at least to for Duke Johnson to prove his his point, why he deserves it. So I always feel, yeah, I I, I predicted that, uh, yeah, that David Johnson wouldn't have a very good year. I think I, I, the exact word I used was abysmal. And then I would say he's had an abysmal year. I'd say a bad year. I, I said whenever the... Like, I don't want him to be injured, obviously. Like, if he comes in and plays bad, then I will. But if he comes in and gets injured, then that's kind of sad. So Definitely, definitely. But um, I guess with one man getting placed on the IR, we get to and that is going to be taken off the injury reserve list, being Zach Ertz, the tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, they've been one of the most injury-riddled teams in the league over this past season. Um, he was placed on our a while back as well as, or not former, but as well as fellow tight end Dallas Goddard was. Um, so, yeah, the Eagles have designated Zach Ertz from the IR. There's no word on whether he'll play next week, but um, all sides are pointing to him probably playing. And that's really good as it's finally looking to to get healthy in a lot of places. We've seen Dallas Goddard uh, potentially being able to play again. Zach Ertz. Um, it's looking good for Alshon Jeffrey to be able to come back at some point this season. Um, Miles Sanders has come back. And um, things are things are getting better for that team. Not to say they, they took a loss this week to it. I believe they were better then, but. Things are getting better from a standpoint, so it, it'll be nice to search back out there with a better title. So, yeah, definitely. We both have him at three. Um, he he has very sure hands and is a very clutch player. He doesn't have a lot of yards after catch. We all know that, but he is he is a a very he's like Keith Miller. <laughs> I like the Heath Miller comparison. If you if you're a Steelers fan, you know him. He was tight end for many years. Um, and I mean, yeah, well, I'm be happy to see Zachary's back, and that's a that's a that'll be a big thing for the Eagles team. That's really struggling right now <laughs> but as is the whole nfc east yeah that is accurate that is accurate we got to squeeze something bad about the nfc east in every episode so. <laughs> mm-hmm. um 
the next thing is is not good news. Um, more injury news. Drew Brees, New Orleans Saints quarterback. We saw them take a big win this week. Um, he got injured in that game, and he played a little bit after it, but eventually it was too much handle when they were up by a lot. They put Jameis Winston in the game, who played, you know, he only threw like nine nine passes, but he didn't look bad. Um, but after the game, you know, he was evaluated. Saints say Drew Brees has multiple rib fractures on both of his sides and a collapsed lung on the right side, and he is expected to miss some time. There's no real idea of how long it is. On Monday Night Football, the announcer said the shortest time could miss would be about two weeks, um, but I definitely am expecting him at his age to miss more than two weeks. Yeah, And, you know, that's why they have, in my opinion, the best backup quarterback in the league, Jameis Winston. Um, so hopefully he'll be able to get in there and win them some games. Obviously, we saw them go 5-0 and with uh, Teddy Bridgewater starting last year, my main man. Um, so, you know, we'll see what the Saints are able to make out of that. But they came up with a good win this week. Michael Thomas is back, which will be very good for Jameis Winston. Um, and, yes, yeah, we'll, we'll see what goes up. Definitely look for some more smoke and mirrors type plays coming mm-hmm. up from Sean Payne and the Saints. Uh, boy, do I have a lot to say about the Saints 49, 49ers game. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting things uh, that went on in that game, but I'll get into that later on. Yeah, Jameis, that, the Saints always have had an emphasis on the back of quarterbacks. They have two, I mean, one capable, like, actual quarterback, and then Taysom Hill that can – do whatever you want. <laughs> Say what you will about him. But, uh, that's uh, poor guy. Deflated lung. The whole the whole nine yards. Uh, prayers up for for him. But next we'll get into the so the the very first episode. We're on episode what fifty seven right? I believe yeah. the very first one we reported the DeAndre Baker arrest. <laughs> um. So interestingly enough, he was cut by the Giants back then in September. Um. And now all Andrew Baker have been dropped. He's obviously a first-round corner. They were dropped on some weird stuff about, like, the uh, alleged victims were, like, arrested for extortion stuff. So, like, oh, the, the, this is a really weird scenario, and I'm, I, I have no all the details of this by any means. But what I do know is that all the charges were dropped. He's currently a free agent, young, first-round corner, reportedly multiple teams. Are, and he would be definitely a good pickup for a lot of football teams yeah. that are in need of possible secondary help. You know, immediately everyone's minds shift to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I have no clue. Dallas would be good for DeAndre Baker, obviously. A young guy, they need pieces back in the secondary. Jerry Jones has always been a high spender and someone that is able and willing to bring in guys that have, you know, questionable backgrounds per se. But um, I don't know where I think Andrew Baker's going to land, but I know that he'll be definitely a high-priority free agent at this point. In them, so. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Kirk Cousins is hype right now, but... Yes. Um, yeah, that's interesting. There's a lot of teams come to mind as far as secondary help. But, of course, yeah, Dallas is at the top there. Thank you. Um, next, we talked about last week, the Miles Gaskin and how we, you know, Jordan Howard and Matt Burrito were going to get the the carries. Well, then we talked about not really get the carries, and we were like, what's going on here? Well, today we were alerted that the Dolphins have officially waived from Howard. He has been cut. And I, every week I, I feel the need to give my take that Jordan Howard's a good running back. Like, the man was so good. You know, he was NFL's second-leading rusher behind Ezekiel Elliott just years ago. Um, and he's overall been extremely productive in Chicago. He goes to Philly, where the, the wasteland for running backs, <laughs> and gets washed. And Miami is was not good, and he gets waived. And I just really hope production of him. He's one of the running backs that isn't getting enough run, I believe. And I just want to see it. Like, guys sitting behind players that I believe are inferior to them. 
He's one of them. Yeah. Leonard Fournette's one of them that I believe is sitting behind a player that is inferior to him, even though that player went absolutely off this and no disrespect to him. <laughs> but um, yeah, mm-hmm. that Jordan Howard. A lot of teams, the Jets are definitely they could use a, a solid running back like that as they're obviously starting currently. Frank Gore and Michael Perrine. Oh, so they're it's bad. It's bad. It's bad in that Jets place. But obviously they don't really want to know yeah. clue what that's going to look like. But Jordan Howard. No longer Miami Dolphin. Yeah, he'll have a job somewhere, though. I, I think that's pretty fair to say. At some point, yeah. he'll get signed. Because, yeah, he's a solid guy. He's a, he's a power runner. And if you, if you have a good offensive line, then he's a great guy to have. Um, of course, my Pittsburgh Steelers come to my mind. But you literally have Benny Snell and James Conner that are, like, the same exact player. So <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Yeah, they're, you know, I hope he getting, but their situation, what happened with Garrett Bourne. What happened with J.J.I.E. that we think of? They go to the Philadelphia Eagles waste one, then don't get signed again. But <laughs> yeah. I, I, I assume you. Jordan Howard's still a really good running back. So I want to see Next, we saw Andrew Whitworth exit the game versus the Seahawks, where the Rams came out with a W due to injury. They didn't exactly know what it was. Officially, Andrew Whitworth has torn his MCL and damaged his ECL and will be out for approximately six to eight weeks. Um, That's right. So he'll you know, be eligible to play again, possibly. But it's looking like he will probably be designated return sometime during the playoffs, assuming that the Rams will be a playoff team. It's looking like they will be. Um, so, yeah, that's really rough there. Obviously, one offensive lineman on the Rams, older guy, gritty veteran from Cincinnati, where he spent most of his season. Um, and he's definitely one of the more high-character guys in the NFL, just one of the best in the NFL you're ever going to find. And it's really rough to see him go down on it. been so promising this season, especially with their run game and a team that more than any other team relies on the run game in terms of carries and percentages of carries, too two plays so we'll we'll see how that offensive line is it a fair and if that does any scheme and not being able to run the ball as much potentially but um th- this could definitely be a more impactful than people realize so yeah he's one of the the best offensive linemen in the league i think you can that's fair to say at this point um and yeah it's sad to see him go down that's a that's a rough injury the mcl tears i've, I've heard of those a lot of guys have yeah. i've gone and missed missed time for that so I mean, yeah, yeah, he, he might come back and, and play if they make some some noise in the playoffs, but that's that's sad to hear. Definitely. Um, so as one offensive lineman goes down, another one gets the bag. <laughs> um, David Bakhtiari, offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers, we saw him come back. He has signed a four-year extension worth up to, drumroll please, $105.5 million, making him the highest-paid offensive lineman of all time, with the Green Bay Packers, um, and that's just a really good move there as that offense really needs him um, at this point. <laughs> Obviously, Aaron Jones has been one of the more productive running backs over the past few Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams absolutely killing it in their thing. And Aaron Rodgers in his you know, older age is necessarily a mobile guy. At this point. He, need, he needs that blindside protection that David Bakhtiari brings. And um, so, yeah, Bakhtiari, highest-paid offensive lineman in NFL history and an absolute stir deal. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, he's, he's played great, and... Well, you, you said it best. The offense, the Packers offense really needs that. So yeah. lock them up. Yes, sir. And the last piece of news here is something really strange. We saw Antonio Brown come back to the Buccaneers <laughs> recently. You know what's coming. He had a, actually a relatively good game this week. He had 69 receiving. Pretty nice. And nice. He, he was yeah. looking at He could have had a touchdown. He broke open and beat his man by like five yards. But Brady over would have been an easy deep touchdown. Probably, I believe that would have put him for over 100 yards. Yeah. touchdown but 
you know, big what if. There's always what if. But anyway, with Antonio Brown, reportedly another incident happened before the season where he destroyed a security by throwing a bicycle <laughs> at a security shed in a gated neighborhood. Um, and reportedly the homeowners association didn't do anything about it because they were afraid that Tony Brown would retaliate. Um, <laughs> but like, this is one where it's like, I have no, I'm not even going to call on whether or not I think this is true because nobody knows. There's no way to understand. Cause on yeah. one hand, it's like, this is, this sounds just stupid. Then someone to just make up. Yeah. Right. But then on another hand, it's like what the home you're telling me the homeowners association is notorious. They notoriously will fine you and <laughs> like freak out and take you to court if you don't do anything about it for like having improper like lawn decorations and like having your mailbox too high. And they're not going to do anything about it because they think Antonio Brown's going to retaliate. Like, what is he going to retaliate? What have you done to Antonio Brown that's going to get you in trouble? Like, I. I don't understand any of the situation. It's just just such so weird on both sides. But the the Buccaneers say they knew about the alleged knew about the allegations before they signed him. He disclosed that to them, and they you know they're fine with it. But Lord mm-hmm. knows what the heck's happening. And just as as we uh we mentioned this, Nicole goes down with an injury. Yeah. So. I think is Trubisky playing in this game. I think he is. No, I they it was not they they showed the backup putting on his helmet and it was not Trubisky. It was like okay threat or something. Because so anyway, Trubisky yeah. last week actually he played one single snap in the game and they snapped it to him and he ran the ball for like four yards. And on that single play he hurt his shoulder. The <laughs> one play he got in in the entire game got a shoulder in. That's, so that's right. I guess he's I guess he's not playing it enough. Yeah, I guess so. But um yeah this is a weird situation with Anthony Brown because it's like they didn't wait they waited until he had like a good game to mention yeah. that <laughs> that's the conspiracy theorist in me that, that mentions that. But I don't know if, if they knew about it, then, then obviously it, he came clean and, and mentioned that there was some, some issues going on there. And it wasn't like it's got blindsided, like all of the stuff that the Steelers got blindsided by. Yeah. Accurate. But with that, we get into our week 10 football game analysis as per usual. And it started off here, as usually started off with the hometown game of the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Steelers are able to improve to 9-0 and zero for the first time in franchise history. Final score, 36-10 in favor of the Steelers. Our top performers for the Bengals, we're going to have Joe Burrow with 213 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, though it doesn't look amazing coming off of uh, his stat line. Um, he looked very poised in a game versus the NFL's best defense. And for a rookie quarterback, I really liked what I saw out of Joe Burrow that game. Um, and we're going to have T. Higgins, the rookie receiver, his favorite target this season, probably uh, emerging yeah, into it. Uh, seven receptions for 115 yards and a touchdown for him. A lot of that came on a, a bigger chunk play. And he is um, yeah, having a really nice season, one of the best rookie receivers to come out of this draft. And he's just falling out versus the best defense in the league, not something that you like to see. And um, something else you don't like to see, where we, we see Nick Foles getting carted off the field currently as he was brought down very hard um, and versus I'm these a commercial. <laughs> Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, he, he's currently getting carted off. So, And I don't really know what happened to, from replaying the injury. It, he kind of just got thrown down. Like, it doesn't – I can't really, like, see that he – I don't really yeah, know he, what happened to him. He exactly got, uh, like, hit in one specific area. He kind of was just throwing the ball away and – 
and know, maybe just land awkwardly on his yeah, on his back yeah, like, or something. But, a lot uh, of times you look at it, and yeah, Mitch Trubisky is out with a shoulder injury. Sadly, you see there. But yeah, usually when injuries like that happen to the run down, you can see them land funny on the leg or their arm or something. just kind of land on his back. So I don't necessarily know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this uh, is really weird to see this quarterback in because usually um, the Bears are a team that only has two quarterbacks on their roster. So this mm-hmm. guy was elevated for this game with the Mitch Trubisky shoulder injury. And just, but um, I guess back to the Nick point. was exactly having a great game. but Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there's that... only 20 seconds left. And the... Yeah. And the Bears are down by three, but oh. you know, or six. I mean, sorry, but um, we've seen we've seen crazier things happen at the end of games this week, which is uh, yes. a little better. Um, I think that's fair to say, but yeah, um, yeah the Steelers game was a, was a very interesting one. As I, mean, I didn't get to watch the whole thing, but you can you can get the gist of the game that the Steelers just dominated, and the pass rush of the Steelers. I don't think the Steelers have the best defense, but I think the Steelers have the most disruptive defense as far like because I think they let up some big plays and like. We've seen their rush defense kind of fall away a little bit. Um, Alulu was gone with injury, and then he's just he just came back like last week, I think, and he's just easing back into the to the role there. And he's played well as he was, but you know, it's there. The rush defense has been a little bit lackluster, like in quotations, because they still played well. And so is the secondary, letting up some big plays, but in general, they're still suffocating. Um, but their pass rush is insane, and it makes it so hard. I can imagine it would make it so hard as a quarterback to really do anything <laughs> with that come at you and but like yeah you watch Joe, Joe Burrow out there and he really does like play like a veteran that's kind of like a a, a statement there cliche kind of, but yeah true. but he like actually does like he actually plays good yeah 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 he, he had a really nice game he definitely looks like a veteran like where I think Justin Herbert's having probably a better I like you know I've ex- I've expressed many times I feel like Joe Burrow just seems like a NFL player who understands the game a little bit more at this point. Um, yeah, yeah, but, he's the, he doesn't get rattled as much, I think. Yeah, but for the Steelers, our top performers there, we're gonna have Big Ben went off in this game for 333 yards and four touchdowns to zero picks. We're gonna have Deontay Johnson, six receptions for 116 yards and a touchdown. Juju Smith Schuster has nine receptions for 77 yards and a touchdown. Chase Claypool, four receptions, 56 yards, two touchdowns, and TJ Watt four tackles, two sacks, and two tackles for loss for the big man down low. And things are going, things are looking all bright for the Pittsburgh Steelers team. They face Jacksonville next week, so there's a very high likelihood that end up going 9-0, or 10-0, I'm sorry. Um, obviously, every single they get, you see everything. For the first time in franchise history, they're kind of, <laughs> the first time in franchise history, they're 8-0. First time in franchise history, they're now 9-0. They're just going to keep saying that until they lose. But, um... You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with this team, but they're looking good right now. And Cincinnati, like, you know, they, they lost pretty much, but I don't think this – I don't look at Cincinnati losing a no-football team and be like, yeah, this Cincinnati sucks. I think they're probably – I might put them on the bottom few of playing teams in the league, but, like, they're definitely the best of the bottom. Yeah, I think they so. play above their skill level. I think Zach Taylor is becoming one of the – the better young coaches in the league at this point. He's, he's really, um, the offense has kind of turned around to an extent where like, it's, there's some potency there. I mean, like you see these guys come in and like, they're not relatively, um, well known. Like T Higgins wasn't, he was, he was a, looked like a promising prospect and he's, he's really played well so far. And I mean, AJ green isn't exactly <laughs> what a pass. Uh, that's sarcastic there. That was an ugly pass, but, um, the yeah. gateway, are you still watching the game? Yeah, there's three seconds left. And I was say, the game's already over for me. It's been over for like 
30 seconds. Oh, okay. I made some lag there, but um, I guess my prediction is wrong then. <laughs> but yeah, that's it's weird. It's weird for yeah. the bank. They're in a weird situation. Yeah, they are. But... So I happen to do the Cardinals versus Bills game first, but I want to save it for end because it's the most exciting. Just like their end, the end of their game is the most exciting. So <laughs> I want to start off with the Dolphins versus Chargers. Dolphins take the win, 29 to 21. Fifth straight win for the Dolphins there. So that's a, they're right in the thick of the AFC playoff race. Um, and they're making a push for the AFC East playoff title there with the Bills. Tua was not asked to throw the ball a ton of times. 25 times, 15 completions, 169 yards. Nice. Two touchdowns. And he was not sacked one time this whole entire game, which is quite a feat there. You can, they're a... Their offensive line is certainly starting to improve. You can see that in the past few weeks. The pressure has been minimal. Savan Ahmed, running back there. Amazing um, running back. Amazing, yeah, great guy. 85 yards, one rush town. Then Jakeem Grant was a leading receiver. That was not. That was a well spread out passing attack. No, there was. I mean, Devontae Parker led the team in targets, but he only had two catches. So, uh, <laughs> but Jakeem Grant is is slowly turning into to us favorite target and i think it's it's pretty clear at this point it was preston williams but then he went on IR. <laughs> but yeah, i mean jakeem grant yeah nice touchdown there then nick needham four tackles one sack and then xavier howard had the lone sack of the day so relatively chill performance on defense where you know not a lot of mistakes made but um justin herbert here only had 187 yards. I say only because <laughs> you're seeing him put up tons of yards, two touchdowns and an interception. He also had a rush touchdown, which is interesting. Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry both had receiving touchdowns, but they didn't have a ton of yards, so I left that alone there. And Nasir Adderley, eight tackles leading the day for the Chargers. This is an interesting game because we see the two young quarterbacks, they're like really up-and-coming stars, battled out here. And I feel bad for the Chargers because they, they valiantly fight every single game, but they cannot get the wins <laughs> at the end of the day. So it's, it's sad to see. I mean, I didn't get to watch this game, so I, I don't have a lot to say. But looking at the stats, you can tell this this isn't – this is pretty high scoring, but it, it's like there wasn't a lot of throws, and the running backs didn't have super productive days. Because, like a blocked kick go for a touchdown. A yeah. lot of stuff went on. Strange. The Dolphins' defense has been absolutely smothering this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Justin Herbert, yeah, rough game. One of the – probably the worst game of his NFL career so far, unless I'm forgetting yeah, something, yeah, which I, I, I normally do. <laughs> but, I mean, you see you see guys like Nasir Adderley come out, and I've heard of him in the past. He's pretty promising, I guess. I'm, I'm not even not sure uh, too much about him. I'm not a Nasir Adderley fan. But, I mean, you see him come out and have eight tackles, which is good for a – I'm pretty sure he plays defensive line. So that's good to see there. But I, I don't know. I have, a lot, I have a lot to take away from this game. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next game I'm going to get into is Jacksonville Jaguars and the Green Bay Packers. Some, I thought this was going to be a blowout game. The Packers four in a low-scoring yeah. game. 24-20 they take the one. So our top performers, we're going to have um, James Robinson, 23 attempts for 109 yards. Keelan Cole, five receptions for 47 yards and a receiving touchdown. And he also had a 97-yard, I believe, point return touchdown. Um, and then Sidney Jones is going to have nine tackles, a forced fumble, an interception, and two passes defended. And then for the Packers, you're going to have Aaron Rodgers, 325 yards, three total touchdowns, and one interception. And the man, the myth, the legend, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, four receptions for 149 yards and a touchdown, as they talked about during the game. Um, he either goes for, like, he doesn't catch, like, a nine-yard out route. 
You know what I mean? He's on, they're only throwing him like 50 yard bombs ever. Um, MVS obviously was solid number two receiver this season. Surprisingly, I've liked how he spelled in. But um, Jacksonville was in this the whole way with Jake Luton at the helm. Um, like really, I feel like Gardner Minshew. He was in the in for quarterback. The Jacksonville Jaguars potentially in this game, right? Like um, the the Packers were not on their game, especially decently. Um, Aaron Rodgers had himself a really nice game, but they just weren't really able to finish in the red zone. Um, a, a relatively rough game for Aaron Jones. Devontae Adams wasn't able to get a crazy amount going. Obviously, he had like 66 yards and a touchdown. His touchdown was really the game winner. Um, a really nice high point of the football, really high jump point touchdown there for him. But this Green Bay, I don't know how to feel about them because they were my number one team league for a while. Like their offense was so explosive. But like we're getting to a point now where it's like Green Bay's very inconsistent and they're very talented, but it's like they're not performing consistently to any extent like they put up 24 points on this jacksonville jaguars defense and almost lost to them when they were on their backup quarterback and obviously he's talented in this league so like i really don't i don't know what to think about the packers this was a good game for the for the jaguars despite a lot of injuries that they've had and obviously just not being that good of a football team um this is a good game for jacksonville this definitely moves jacksonville up in my standings um and i'm not gonna say like i'm not someone that believes that like you squeak out a win versus a bad team that like you suck because obviously the best team find ways to win close games like this is just a game that probably shouldn't have been that close so yeah i mean jake Lutton is a weird jake Lutton's a weird quarterback because you'll see him He'll go out there and he'll play like relatively well, but then sometimes he'll just throw the worst passes like I've ever seen. <laughs> they're so off target and they're so like it's just weird to see sometimes. But you know, young quarterbacks like that, like I've Mason Rudolph and, and Duck Hodges has <laughs> I've seen some pretty ugly pass, passes last year. So accurate, So up next year game, I had very wrong in the predictions: Raiders versus Broncos. Raiders, Raiders win 37 to 12. And um, I was reading the summary for this game because I was, I wanted to see what was gone. It was the mistaken ridden Broncos was the quote used by the article. And boy, is that correct? There was five turnovers by Drew Locke for the interceptions and one of them an interception. He only threw for one touchdown. Um, the defense left up a lot of big plays. How in the rush, what four game. interceptions? Did you say four interceptions? Yeah, four interceptions for Drew Locke. Yeah, yeah that's a brilliant game. game. Yeah, so it, that's rough there, but I gotta say, Joe, he, he has some time to redeem himself, I guess. But that is one of the worst takes of it. You said Drew Locke would be a fringe top ten quarterback by the end. Yeah, that's certainly not coming into fruition just yet. But hey, I mean, there's still some time. There's still he plays really good versus bad defenses, so you got to give that to him. But, um, yeah, you saw you said Derek come, Carr come out. Only throw for 154 yards, but no interceptions, no touchdowns. Um, but you saw Josh Jacobs come out. 112 yards, uh, rushing for 100 yards again for, like, the third or fourth time of the season. Two touchdowns. And then Devontae yes. Booker, just some backup running back that I wasn't um, very aware of. former Denver Bronco. Interestingly enough. Uh, 81 yards and two touchdowns. Then Nicholas Morrow gets almost the defensive trifecta. Nicholas um, Morrow, yeah, four tackles, one sack and a forced fumble. He just needed the interception. And Nick Kowalski gets uh, oh, yeah. six tackles and an interception. So he led the he day in tackles. Somebody in that game, had, Jeff Heath had two interceptions. I saw him on one of the 
um, like underrated performers Instagram posts. Oh, for the for the Broncos? I mean, he's a Raiders. Well, I did not see that. Well, I mean, I certainly would have had him on the list. <laughs> I guess I I don't know why I, I didn't see it, but Drew Lucky, Drew Lucky. One of the accounts I follow, I think it catch the blitz on Instagram. They'll post like a underrated performances thing on Instagram, and I saw him. I, I mean, like, that's probably I think that's like all he did was the two interceptions. There's probably like no other stats. I mean, Drew Lock. Literally, everyone and their mother had a turnover from Drew Lock this game. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. He had he had an ugly day. Two hundred and fifty-seven yards and a touch, and he threw the ball like fifty-five times. Yeah. Yeah. The four interceptions and a fumble. At this point, I don't know why they, they throw the ball that many times. Um, but Melvin Gordon had a bad game too. He was. In the dumps, he had like 44 yards on like 25 carries. So, <laughs> Deshaun Hamilton had four catches for 50 yards. The only person who had a pretty good game here, he had a touch, the one receiving touchdown of the game for the Broncos. You saw AJ Johnson, the running back, the cornerback that has come out and have nine tackles, which is solid for for a defensive back like that. I think AJ isn't it? I think AJ Johnson's a linebacker. Okay, I'm all mistaken. All right. Because I was gonna, I was gonna put in my uh, what's it, my underrated players list. Actually, he was on my original underrated. I uh, think he didn't make the cut at the end, like when I revised it though. Uh, this game, obviously, I have some misinformation here, but the relative, <laughs> it's relatively right. Um, but it, yeah, this is this is one of the games that I, I was when I was writing down the stats. It's just one of the games where game teams that I feel like they're relatively comparable like i really like the, the broncos and i really like the raiders they're both teams that i think are, are good but one team was prepared and the raiders and played really well and then one team was not prepared and the broncos so broncos are your team that you're always high. yeah we, we've got our teams i'm a falcons and vikings guy i'm always high on those two so mm-hmm. you're, you're always high on the broncos and the mm-hmm. nice. our, our achilles heels our teams are neither of these teams are exactly None of our teams that we're high on exactly do very great. Yeah, yeah. but we always bet for them. So yeah, at least Vikings, the Vikings didn't let you down this week. They didn't. They've been good the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook basically solely, but yeah, not this game. But they got it done. They got it done. An ugly game this week. Yeah, well, a lot of yards this game. Absolutely awful efficiency. We'll yeah, get to that at the end because that's the last game of the week. But mm-hmm. the next game is another really weird one. Obviously, the NFC East, we know, the worst division in football. And this was a surprising one. Philly versus the Giants. And the Giants actually take this one 17-27. Um, our top performers, we're going to have Miles Sanders, 18 touches for 95 total yards. We're going to have Daniel Jones, 308 total yards and a rushing touchdown. And then Darius Slayton, five receptions for 93 yards um, in that game. And this is one where it's like the Giants have been actually pretty good these past couple weeks. Right, like we saw this week, they come out and beat the Eagles, which is an amazing team. But they're a team that was heavily favored to win last week. They probably, I would say, they should have. They should have taken it to overtime to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or two weeks ago, I guess technically, and um, they did not. I believe they won last week. I don't remember who they they beat Washington last week. Yeah, um, and Daniel Jones had himself a good game. So like the Giants are like looking good recently, like not good, good, but like. They're looking a lot better than where we had them ranked previously. Daniel Jones is actually starting to play like someone that took the blindfold off of himself, I guess. Um, so I was really high on Daniels coming into the season. You know, up until about three weeks ago, I was kind of completely given up hope. But now we're at a point where like the team's actually looking solid, rallying behind Daniel Jones. And he's not looking, he's obviously using uh, 
looking to use his legs a little bit more than he has previously in previous weeks. And he's been really good. So while obviously like a threat to do anything, and if they were to make the playoffs, um, they might bust the rest of division, <laughs> to be honest. Like, yeah, <laughs> Josh goes up. This is one of our predictions that says J.J. Jones has a great season and proves to be a star. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I predicted him to go like, like 4,600 yards or something. Bold. That's not going to happen. That there there were bold happen. predictions. There, that was our bold prediction they were, series. They were, that, was our, that wasn't our prediction. This was our bold prediction. And yeah. say what you want. The predictions were bold. My, uh, they were, some of them were very bold, and the other ones were like, I think that a 38 year old wide receiver retires. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, somebody declined us for that for saying Larry Fitz retires. But what was right. it? What was my, I did get one bold one that was really good. John Bell gets caught. And yeah. That I, happened. One that I really liked. I really liked Kareem Hunt getting, like, requesting a trade and getting traded mid season. And then, like, I posted the episode, and the next day he, like, signed a contract for, like, three years. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I like that one to be to it, but. Um, they both went so well. They both. They both have had great years yeah. so far. They're, like, in fantasy, they're like, come um, Hunt's, like, wide receiver, like, running back, like, seven. And when Chubb plays, he's like, running back like five or something so yeah this is what you, well, they, they both got the same amount of carries last game and both went forever I was like that's nice. yeah the browns are set to run the ball and Boy, are they. run past Boy, are they. and like do it they're like on offense they're like set to do anything they want because they can throw to a tight end all the time they can throw to a wide receiver all the time they can run the ball all the time they can do whatever they want but they only run the ball yeah um yeah, we we see the the Saints versus Forty Niners game, twenty seven to seven, thirteen that's twenty seven to thirteen in favor of the Saints. There's only twenty six combined passes between Breeze and Winston. Um, neither of them exactly had very efficient days. I mean, they they had efficient days, but they just didn't pass the ball very much. Especially James Winston, he had a very efficient day. He passed the ball three less times than Breeze and had like fifteen more yards or so. But I guess I'll uh, get this. Get Breeze a, a break since he had fractured. He ate the W after the game. He ate the W last week. That was last week. Uh, he, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how he did that. It wasn't playing the first, but um, Kamara, Kamara was the stud of the game here. Eight, only eight rushes and 15 yards, which is really bad. But then he had two rushing touchdowns. So you we saw Latavius Murray get the bulk of the rushes and and he had a, he had a receiving touchdown. Too. Yeah, I know. I had that seven receptions for 83 yards and a touchdown. So he was he had a great game. But there was five. There's there was five fumbles between the whole offense. Two of them were from Taysom Hill, and Cream. come on, it's, I don't know, Taysom Hill had great had like a good week last week relative to like what he normally does. I don't and like Taysom Hill, man. Like, I don't get like, it. He's so over. He was like top he was second overrated players list or something. But it's like people treat Taysom Hill like it's so important to have this gadget guy that like you know he's like this. Swiss Army, he can do it all. He sees the field for like four snaps. Yeah, like every player on an active roster he snaps per game, but it's just because it's Taysom Hill and he doesn't have a position. And every once in a while, he'll catch like a, a twenty-yard play. It's like you know, every starter does, right? It's like eh. they, they people act like Taysom Hill is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and people are really saying that Taysom Hill deserves to start over Jameis Winston. And I to that I say screw off. Yeah, it's. It's so it's he's so weird. Like, what's the point? Like, the the like he comes in the game. And I refuse to believe that Drew Brees is fine with like 
having like he's getting the rhythm and then he just gets taken out for like to have him come in there and like do his design run or something like that like i refuse to believe that drew Brees is actually fine with that but he's just like a really chill guy and i would never say it but like if i was drew Brees, i would not <laughs> i would tell sean payton in confidence that he wouldn't say it was me and like get him off the team because i don't like what's the point of t- he's a 31 year old guy who's athletic but other than that he's like just there to like mess around yeah, and have fun. That really surprised me to learn the taste of the thirty. It's yeah. like they were talking. They said there was a report came out that they they found they thought that after Drew Brees retired, that Taysom Hill could be their <laughs> franchise quarterback. He's a thirty-one year old man that has thrown like eight pass entire career. Yeah, and you think he's gonna be the heir apparent thirty-one year old guy? There's nothing going besides like he's kind of fast. Yeah, like he doesn't even have an arm. He's not proven anything, and you you have Jameis Winston on the roster who. If nothing else, has thrown for five thousand yards and fifteen, like gets touchdown after touchdown. Obviously, his decision making isn't good, but <laughs> there's a lot more redeemable qualities, Winston, than the five snaps per game that Taysom Hill sees the field. So I know. whatever, that's my we, rant. Yeah, my Taysom Hill, what a what a wacky guy. But you see, Demario Davis have a good game here, eight tackles and a sack, and Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Every time I review this game, mm-hmm. I always have to mention his name, and it's so long. Six tackles and a sack. Malcolm Jenkins and Patrick Robinson both have an interception. Nick Mullins still in for the injured. Jimmy G, he passed for 247 yards, a touchdown and two interceptions. Brandon Ayuk is leading receiver. Seven receptions and 75 yards, as well as one rush touchdown. Wait, never mind. One receiving touchdown. (laughs) And then Dre Greenlaw, seven tackles for leading the day up for the defense. Um, of the 49ers and the 49ers are I mean honestly like looking at the score they kept it closer than than many would predict but the lack of of really much efficiency on the offense for the Saints breaks it uh it's it's tough to win game with Nick Mullins who has possibly the weakest arm that I've ever seen of any starting quarterback um you know he's a capable backup quarterback but you're not you're you're not as a playoff team like the 49ers are with Jim G I don't, I'm not like, yeah, we're going to put him in or however, but he's going to, you know, be able to keep us afloat. No, probably not. No. Yeah. I mean, whatever happened to the guy, he went to the same college as, as, uh, as Kittle. I forget what his name is. CJ Beathard. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Beathard. I want a team. So he just never sees the field. He's just the third stringer. <laughs> Bro, I, I honestly, I feel like he has some more upside than Nick Mullins, but maybe I, I, I'm, I I'm in the boat this thing that thinks Nick Mullins has more upside, but CJB has a higher floor. That's where I'm, that's where I sit. I, I can see it, but I mean, this is a weird game. A lot of mistakes all around, but like when you're as injured as the 49ers are, I think you're happy to get 13 points and keep it close to a team of the caliber of the of the Saints. And mm-hmm. interested interested to see what uh, James Winston can do after some some teaching from one of the greatest decision making quarterbacks and one of the most accurate quarterbacks. And uh, and Drew Brees, so yeah, it's accurate, accurate. So the next game, one of Joe's teams that we talked about, well, he had disclosed previously. I never noticed. Like he said he has the Lions every single week, and this is like one of the first weeks he doesn't have the Lions to cover. I didn't even realize. But um, <laughs> we have the Washington Football Team versus the Detroit Lions. The Lions squeak it out, thirty to twenty-seven. They almost blew to Alex Smith in the Washington Football Team, but. Matt Prater nails a field goal with zero seconds left to win them the game. And it was like a, it was a sixty-one yarder, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so, it was a far crazy long field goal. Um, 
We're going to have Alex Smith for 390 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. But, like, in his first game starting in, like, 700 days or something, like, <laughs> the man was asked to throw the ball, like, 58 times. That's ridiculous. It's yeah. There's 55 was the number. Like, 55 times throwing the ball for Alex Smith, who hasn't started a game in that long, coming off of, like, one of the worst injuries in the NFL history. Like, <laughs> that's so strange that you ask him to do that when you have a running back in India Gibson that's actually been pretty solid this, this season. And he did go 13 for 45 yards and two rushing touchdowns. You have the man, the myth, the legend, scary Terry McLaurin, seven receptions for 95 yards. And on the other side, Matt Stafford, 176 yards and three touchdowns his return as he got injured last week. DeAndre Swift had one of the best games of his career, if not the best. 21 touches for 149 total yards and a touchdown to him. We have Marvin Jones, eight receptions for 96 yards and a touchdown. And then defensively, we're going to have Jamie Collins, the former Patriot, 13 tackles, two forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery. When you're talking um, yeah, about this, the lines, you could essentially say any player as the yeah, the, yeah, you can just say this player, expatriate. But, um, yeah, this was a game where Detroit was up by 21 points, and then, and then Alex Smith leads this team down the field. Antonio Gibson gets in the end zone a couple of times, and they're right back in it. But Matt, Matt Stafford, he doesn't have a nickname. I, that surprised me. I feel like Matt Stafford should but Matt. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but he leads him down the field. And then um, Matt Prater, it's a 61-yard field goal. Insane field goal for any any conditions, any kicker. I think um, it was one with that much pressure. Yeah, I think it was. I think they were playing in, in Detroit, which means it was in a dome. Or in, a, in, in it was an indoor stadium. But anyway, 61 yards is crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure with a game winner. And like people are nailing those. Like, before, I see people talk about like, Kickers are nailing 64-yard field, you know, before the game. And that's true. I was at one Steelers game uh, versus the Jets where I had tickets to go on the sideline before the game. And Chris Boswell was nailing, like, 70, 75-yard field goals. <laughs> but obviously, that's it's a without... lot different in-game. For one, there's that much pressure. And for two, you have to kick the ball high enough to go over your line. When you're kicking, like, a 6 or 70-yard field goal before the game, that ball's, like, Barely making it over the bottom crossbar. It's like a straight laser. Sh- and you can't kick it that low in a, in a, in a normal <laughs> game because you're just going to smack off of the player's backs. So yeah. obviously you have to get it high enough to go over the line and a 61-yard field goal in-game is absolutely crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. I know, yeah, I'm, I'm taking physics this year, so I'm learning about the optimum launch angle of 45 degrees, which I, also, I knew that since like eighth grade because they mentioned it, and I just happen to remember it. But yeah, you can't kick it at like a, a line like that when you're just going to hit it out right off the center's face. So, I mean, not yeah. the helmet. So, um, great kick by, by Prater, but I mean, I sent it to you and I was like, I, I got the prediction right, but at what cost? Because I did switch over the game. The, the, um, what was the, I was watching Houston and Cleveland, I think. And then it switched over to Jaguars and Packers. And then it switched over to that game. Um, basically just for like the last 50 seconds or so. And, yeah, you see the sadness on Alex Smith's face. And I was like, oh, what did I do? I mean, my prediction didn't matter, but it's still sad because Alex Smith is, like, a really nice guy. I feel like he's one, becoming one of the Andrew Luck-type players where you look at him and he's like, what a guy. You know, you're happy for him. And then he goes out there and, and like, plays his heart out and gets so close to a win, comes back from so much, and then is all brought to, like, nothing over a kick. But, I mean, it is what it is, but... Speaking of centers and hitting the ball off of a center, <laughs> a game where this the Ravens-Pats Sunday night football game was pretty much decided by 
the Ravens center. <laughs> and I'll get into that later. But the Patriots win 23-17. to 17, and I mean, relatively close, but the Patriots dominated this whole game. Cam had a very efficient game, 13 completions on 17 attempts for 118 yards, a touchdown, and a rush touchdown. Um, Damien Harris, 121 rushing yards. Jacoby Brissett. I mean, Jacoby, I would say Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Myers, five receptions for 59 yards and a pass touchdown. That is a wacky stat line. And I mentioned, we mentioned this, I mean, I mentioned this, that the Ravens, I mean, that the Patriots would have, the Patriots and Bill Belichick would have to have some tricks up their sleeve to get past this team where they're clearly outmatched. And boy, did they. They had a lot of crazy play calls. That one is one of them, of course, where Rex Burkhead, who had, Four receptions for 35 yards, two receiving, um, two receiving touchdowns, two receiving it, yeah, two receiving touchdowns, and then, you know, it's just like, it was the weirdest game offense on, on the offensive side of the ball for, for the Pats because that'd be like every single drive, it'd be like the first snap, they'd just snap the ball and then hand it off to a running back and they'd get like six, six or seven yards. The next play, Cam would drop back and throw like maybe an incompletion or like like a 10 yard pass or so. <laughs> and it seemed like they did this, like it was like just drive it, just like down, like just trying to drive down the field. And then sometimes they convert and sometimes they wouldn't or so, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, you saw Therese Hall, eight tackles for the Patriots and then Chase Winovich who only had six tackles, but he got a ton of pressure in this game. And they saw JC J. Jackson, the, Ra- the Ravens were just starting to get some rhythm going down the field on a rainy night where it's really hard to get some rhythm. And, Lamar Jackson decided to test the ball, deep ball to Benny, um, Willie Sneed, that is. And he, JC Jackson just picked it off, and it was like right before the half. So that's a, that was a really good thing. Cause I mean, of course, it, it came down to the wire, really. It was like one score game at the end, and it saved some points there, which is important. But JC Jackson is living up to your most under, underrated player in the NFL. He leads the league in interceptions, he's been locked down in coverage, and Teams that just cannot understand how to throw the ball to the man. <laughs> JC, you know, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. Who told who, who told the world that JC Jackson was the real deal? This guy. Oh yeah, I put on this. I uh, will talk about Mr. Hopkins later on. I that's my last. I've been waiting to say talk about, but Lamar Jackson. He had a he did not look very good, but the the rain made it impossible. Like he didn't look that bad. He'd throw like pretty good passes, and then the the guys would just drop the balls. <laughs> like, yeah. he passed for 249 yards and two touchdowns, and then he had 55 rushing yards. William Sneed and Mark Andrews um, had 50, 64 yards and 61 yards, but William Sneed had two receiving touchdowns. They had relatively the same yards, but more receiving touchdowns there. But <laughs> Matt Scuria, Scura, the center for the Ravens, had three fumbles. Yeah. Three like he he botched the snap three times and they did Honestly, not. He was receiving like death threats and like had to post a, like apology to the Ravens fans. I saw that you sent me. Yeah, and he was like, he was like, please keep my family out of this. though. like they shouldn't be punished for something that I did. Yeah. <laughs> like I feel bad for the man. Yeah, horrific game. Like there were so many snaps that were bad. Like there's probably like an opportunity for five fumbles, like just because it was bad snaps. But like yeah. they were fell on a couple times and stuff. Um, and then Patrick Queen led the day for the for the Ravens and tackles with five. But this is such a weird game because it's like, this is a game that, that really comes down to the Ravens the, were not com- really prepared for this game as far as the weather, where the Patriots were. And we've heard of this before where Belichick will like dip the ball and like they'll like buckets of water and they'll dip the balls in the water. So they're ready to catch the ball with the, in the wet. And the Ravens like just dropped everything. Like Mark Andrews had like 
like maybe four drops or so. And they were in like big game time moments, like where, you know, where it's like you all dream about when you're a kid, the game's coming down <laughs> and you drop the ball because it's what, and it's sad. They looked very mad walking out the field, the Ravens did. And I'm not, I don't want to be the Titans playing them next week because they seem like very upset because <laughs> they were not prepared. They were really well. That's the commentator said it. You could see it that they were not ready for this weather and they were not ready for all the looks that the Pats were going to throw at them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there, there's that that's for the Titans and the fact that the Titans knocked them out of the playoffs last year. This is not, not, not a good year. That's not a good game coming to the Titans. Yeah. That was not a good game for the Ravens one that everyone expected the Ravens to take that game. And obviously we saw the Patriots with Bill Belichick and some fancy plays and some trickery up his sleeves able to get her down there. So Hey, that, that's right. It's a Belichick way. Anyway, the next game we're going to get into is the most boring game that I've like ever watched. Houston Texans and Browns. It's, for perspective, we are midway through the third quarter and the score was three to zero. Um, that's how boring this um, final score is seven to ten in favor of the Cleveland Browns. Um, for the Texans, we're going to have Deshaun Watson go 163 yards and a touchdown. And that stat line doesn't look good. But when you realize how just off the passing is, um, that's really solid. So, um, and then Zach Cunningham beats the league goes for 14 tackles. And then for Cleveland, like I mentioned, both running backs in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt go 19. Nick Chubb for 126 yards, Kareem Hunt for 104 yards, and a touchdown for Nick Chubb. Could have put two touchdowns on Nick Chubb, but he went out of bounds on the last play of the game and able to um, conserve some time there for the Browns to be able to seal out the victory without their defense having to come back on the field. Very selfless. You know, it's not good for fantasy owners of Nick Chubb, but I have a tremendous respect for Nick Chubb for that one. Not a lot of players would do that. Um, oh, man, we're, there's some NBA news coming up on my on my screen on ESPN right now that's uh, very breaking, very interesting. Oh, so, why don't you say it? Say it. It's uh um the Pelicans have acquired or the I guess the Bucks acquired Drew for Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and three first round picks. Sheesh. Drew Holiday is a guy that if you don't watch basketball, you know if you're not a big basketball guy or even if you are, a lot of people don't understand Drew Holiday's impact. Um, you know he puts up like 18 points, which is obviously really good and plays solid. And you know, a lot of people understand him. What they don't understand is that every player in the league, like when they do player polls. Every single year, the players say, "Yeah, Drew Holiday's the best every year." Because it's like they don't want to, they don't like to give guards defensive player of the year because they're not getting crazy blocks and stuff that are highlight real But like every player, he will tell you that Drew Holiday is the best of the NBA. So he goes to the Bucks, the third, second, third best player. I'd say best player on the championship contending team, and um, and that's good for the Pelicans. You know, he he didn't fit the timeline of the team with obviously Zion, Monzo, Ball, Brandon Ingram, all the young guys. Drew Holiday's older. They trade they everyone he first round picks out of the exchange. And to note, that's great for them because there is a real chance Giannis and he believes in free agency this next year, meaning that those Bucks picks could be high picks in the draft and be very valuable. The Pelicans on Netflix. So this is I love this for the Pelicans, honestly. You know, Drew Holiday's obviously an amazing player. I think the Bucs probably gave up a little bit too much for him, but they're doing everything they can to ensure Giannis wants to stay with the team, so whatever. I mean but, um, interesting. I guess. To get back into the NBA or the NFL news, uh, the last top of the Cleveland is Miles Garrett. Six tackles, half a sack, and two tackles for loss. And yeah, like I mentioned, this was just an extremely boring game. It was down to the wire, obviously, as a three-point game. But Houston was able to get nothing going. 
all day. You know, Cleveland didn't get a lot going, but in the running game, and they were getting the Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Obviously, it's really crazy to see the, the two backs get the same amount of touches and both go for over 100 yards. Like, that's just crazy. That's just crazy. I mean, you never see two running backs go off like that, isn't it? That's just but yeah. mm-hmm. boring game. Very boring. Yeah, I, I want, I quote watched it. I had it on in the background and scored on Instagram and watched YouTube videos because <laughs> I, it was not a fun game to watch. But up here, the last game, Seahawks versus Rams. The Rams get it done, twenty-three to sixteen. The NFC West now has a three-way tie for first place between the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals. Cardinals. So, interesting situation there. This was a game where it's pretty like I didn't watch it, but it's pretty clear to see what was going on in the stat line where. Jared Goff will get on the field, passing the ball very efficiently and well because there wasn't a lot of rece- there wasn't like one receiver that went off. And your running backs, you see Malcolm Brown have two rushing touchdowns and Darrell Henderson have one rushing touchdown. But like their yards were like minuscule; they were both like under thirty. So yeah. um, interesting there. But Jared Goff passed for three hundred two yards. Josh Reynolds led the day with ninety four yards. And then um, on the defensive side of the ball, Mike Kaiser had ten tackles, and then Darius Williams had two interceptions. So I, that's a guy there that, that got some both of the picks on Russell Wilson, who and normally isn't exactly a big turnover guy, but this year he's. You mentioned to me early, like earlier that uh, Russell Wilson has been a little bit of a turnover machine, which is unlike him. But you see, Russell Wilson has for 248 yards, yet two interceptions. He rushed for 60 yards, and then former Ravens running back Alex Collins. He had some good games versus the Steelers in the past. Um, he had the rushing touchdown and. So, Ty Luckett had a much better day, but I had to throw this man in, Freddie Swain. <laughs> what an interesting name. He sounds like such a cool guy. Freddie Swain, three receptions for 37 yards, and then DJ Reed with tackles. So, yeah, I was interested to see Alex Collins field. I did not know that he was, because uh, he was a former Seahawk before the Ravens. Um, oh. And I Ooh. did not expect to see him play football. Obviously, they've got so many injuries that we've seen every about every running back you're ever going to see for the Seahawks than NBA out there in the past couple of weeks. But isn't isn't Beast Mode still on the team? Isn't Beast Mode still on um, the I Seahawks? So. I, I saw it somewhere, but um, interesting game, at least. Yeah, but yeah that was a, I did definitely not expect that outcome. Um, and that's a game where Jamal Adams' stock diminishing um, by the by the game. Obviously, there was so much that he had some blown coverages last week that people were talking about it. But now it's like he's basically an edge rusher. Like yeah. they're not using him in coverage. And the very few times they've used him in coverage, he's looked awful. He had some um, extremely costly missed tackles in this game. One of them leading to a touchdown. Um, and he's just not looking like the Jamal Adams of old that we know from the New York Jets. Like, I'm very reluctant to call Jamal Adams the best safety at this point, <laughs> as I did confidently last season. So uh-huh. um, I really don't know where I would rank Jamal Adams at right now. At this point, um, safeties are, are really weird. And we both had Minka Fitzpatrick at number two, but his numbers haven't been huge. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure where I'd put yeah. as the number one safety at this point. Yeah, it's like um, Buda Baker's probably right. in the best season of any safety, but I don't think I want to put Buda Baker in one safety in the league just because <laughs> I don't. This is all I've seen. For, I haven't seen Buda Baker be anywhere near as productive right now, but mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe Harrison Smith is having another good season. Maybe I'll put him up. Tyron Matthew, I guess. Uh, a lot of guys can put there. Who knows? Mm-hmm. We still haven't seen Earl Thomas get some. So what? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even know if he's ever going to play football again. To be honest, <laughs> we'll find out. But you were correct um, though. Uh, Marshawn Lynch is 
currently an unrestricted free agent, so he can sign anywhere he wants. But he's probably it's, he's probably tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the next game, Tampa Bay versus Carolina, right? Tampa Bay wins 46 to 23. But I just want you all to know that this score is not indicative of this game because this was a close game for most of it, right? Um, our top performers we have Tom Brady, 341 yards and three touchdowns, no picks, a really efficient game after coming off of one of the worst games of his entire career. Um, and Ronald Jones went off 23 attempts, 192 yards and a touchdown. And this upset me, right? Because in fantasy, I I um I had to start Leonard because of bye weeks and bye weeks for Ezekiel Elliott and injury to Miles Gaskin. So I yeah had to start him. And there was an early fumble by Ronald Jones. And I was like, yes, this is what happened last week. And then they gave Leonard Fournette some run. Um, and I was like, okay, hopefully Leonard Fournette gets in this game. He, he didn't get in the game. Um, Ronald Jones proceeded to go off. Um, we're going to have Chris Godwin, six receptions for 92 yards. Mike Evans, six receptions for 77 yards. And a touchdown. And JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul. Three tackles, a sack, a tackle for loss, a pass defended, and get this, Jason Pierre-Paul, missing a finger, gets an interception as a defensive <laughs> lineman without an interception. Without a finger, gets an interception. That's crazy. There were so many jokes made about that. There's always jokes made about JPP with his finger, the, the infamous firework incident. But um, <laughs> that's just that's crazy to me. But, and then on the other side, four receptions, 96 yards, and a touchdown. And Shaq Thompson, seven tackles, two tackles for loss, and a forced fumble. But like I said, this game was actually really close for most of the game until um, Teddy Bridgewater exited the game with an injury, and then that's when that, that's when things started to slip away from the Panthers and the Fal- or the Falcons. The Buccaneers were really able to 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 start extending that lead, and that's when it was. Obviously, the Buccaneers were a better football team, and they deserved to win this game. But I just want to say they they did not blow Carolina out of the water like. It was from watching that game. It wasn't like Carolina came out and laid a goose egg or anything, right? So like you know, and Christian McCaffrey obviously did not play. Mike Davis wasn't even going. It was a rough game. It was a rough game. But obviously, your quarterback goes out. That's going to happen. So Tampa mm-hmm. Bay takes the W here and uh, pretty handily. Mm-hmm. So we we end off our. Uh, well, you might have one more game, but I do I, have the Monday night game. Okay, that's fair. Well, we end off our Sunday games here with. A very exciting finish. So we see the Cardinals and the Bills play. The Cardinals win thirty-two to thirty. So <laughs> this is so this is just so crazy. It's because it was coming on the last minute and Josh Allen threw Clash Plass, a very nice pass, to Stefan Diggs, yes. and everyone's like, hey, money touchdown. And there was like, you know, maybe thirty seconds left. And Kyler Murray trots out on the field. They they get down the field a little bit. There's there's like six seconds left, so we all know it's a Hail Mary. Kyler Murray like spins out of the pocket, runs over, dot, like jukes out of guy. Left, no, I just want to say he's rolling to his left, and he's a right-handed quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he he dodges a guy, and he throws it. You know, he's he's a small guy. He throws the ball, and he's like dodging away from it. He just he is down the field. The under Hopkins amasses three guys, three Bills defenders that were all in good position. Snatches it out of there, Megatron type catch. Get grabs the game winning touchdown, but it's it's one it's one on three, and then you see Christian Kirk kind of sprint down there at the end, along with Chase Edmonds and Larry Fitz, and they all celebrate in the end zone. But it's it's just a it's, a, it's the most it's probably the best catch I've ever seen. And DeAndre Hopkins is good. there's such, there's many arguments to be made for the best receiver in the NFL, and every receiver that's good will say it. You see, Mr. Slant Boy, <laughs> and and Michael Thomas and. 
now DeAndre Hopkins, you know, we saw um, Devontae Adams last week and Julio Jones. They're all saying they're the best, but who is the real best wide receiver? Because I don't think any receiver in the NFL, except maybe Julio, but I don't think Julio, Julio might be close. Julio might, and Devontae Parker, I mean, not Devontae Parker, Devontae Adams are are definitely top two in my opinion. At, um, and Michael Thomas is probably at three, even though I don't, we make the jokes about his, his only slant route. <laughs> like, I think he's, Wait, he's so still a solid guy. So you don't think DeAndre Hopkins is top four? Huh? No, I you said, said... You said Devontae Adams and Julio. Oh, no, that's not what I meant to say. I meant to say Julio and... Okay. And DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. I'm, I think um, Devontae uh, Adams... I'm, I'm messing up all these names right now. It's getting a little bit late, per usual, on these episodes. It's midnight on the dot. And... <laughs> I like Devontae Adams, but he's not, I don't know, it's hard to say. I'm not, well, I'm not well enough versed in all these guys to say accurate takes and not just sound completely dumb. But I think when it comes down to pure, like, playmaking ability, I think DeAndre Hopkins has got to be one. He's definitely the most talented, but it just comes down to, like... I don't agree with you. I think DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the NFL, but I think the most talented one is Julio, personally. Mm, interesting. But, I mean, it's, do you think Julio Jones makes that catch over three guys? I'm not going to say, like, I wouldn't make that catch. Like, if I see in a vacuum, no player in NFL history, I look at that catch and I'm like, yeah, they make It's just an amazing play. That's like, a, that's a once in a lifetime moment. But, yeah. um, yeah, like, I think from a talent standpoint, there's nobody. Obviously, Julio Jones, like, six foot four, like, 200 pounds, with the speed and leaping ability and strength and just ability to do absolutely anything you ask with on the field. I think he's the most talented wide receiver. But I think that the best wide receiver is Hopkins, and obviously that's how the story goes. There are a lot of things like that where I think the best running or the most talented running back is probably I don't even I don't even know that was probably a bad ex- example. I'd probably say Saquon is the most talented. Yeah, yeah, I think Saquon is the most talented running back. But the best running backs are like McCaffrey, and Dalvin Cook, and you know maybe Dalvin Kamara. Like those are the best. But I we think Saquon Barkley is probably the best. yeah. He's he's one of the the most pure runners, but. But I, I mean, that was just a, it was just a weird, weird game. Very weird ending. You're never gonna see. You're not. Well, I mean, you maybe another time. Maybe in 50 years, we might see another catch as crazy as that. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, you people. I, it's not gonna get the recognition it deserves. But I is better than Aaron Rodgers' classic Hail Mary. Um, look at Kyler Murray rolling to his left, making an off, you know, off balance back shoulder throw with his right hand rolling to his left. And then obviously DeAndre Hopkins mosses three three defensive backs and makes the catch. I think that's the best play I've ever watched. Um, personally, mm-hmm. I can you know, watch it unless I'm just absolutely like nah, I've and I've seen great. I saw the miracle live. I've watched the um, obviously the Miami miracle. Um, I've seen some amazing plays in my history of watching football. There's the you know classic, and I'm talking about it back. You no, know, like there are plays like that have more impact, like. Philly special or David Tyree in a catch. There are plays that Vaughn Miller strips that strip sack in the Super Bowl. They're more impactful plays, but I think in a vacuum, that's probably my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but now we know we get into the stats. Kyler Murray passing the ball, twenty-two of thirty-two, two hundred and forty-five yards, a touchdown interception, but rushing he had sixty-one yards and two touchdowns. Kenyon Drake had one of the better games of the season so far, hundred yards on the dot, but he didn't have a touchdown. Or he, per usual, he didn't have much going through the air. DeAndre Hopkins, seven catches, 127 yards. Did you start yards. him this week? Did you start Kenyon Drake? 
like I thought he was out. I thought he was out, oh. and Christian McCaffrey was playing, so I kept McCaffrey in, and then I didn't check until it was too late, and the Panthers game had already started, and I couldn't switch out McCaffrey. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't make many good starts, but this was a rough. This was a rough week in fantasy. We can yeah, want to talk about it. <laughs> it's getting rough with my fantasy, but Buda Baker led the day with tackles with seven. Um, he's a tackle machine. Josh Allen passed for 284 yards, two touchdowns, was the leading rusher, and had a re- rushing touchdown. No, he had a receiving touchdown. Okay, I didn't mark that down. I didn't, um, but I know he had a receiving touchdown because Isaiah he had a pass touchdown. So the, the wide receiver had a passing touchdown to Josh Allen. And then Cole Beasley led the day in receiving with 11 receptions for 109 yards and touchdown. Stephon Diggs wasn't far behind with 10 receptions, 93 yards and a touchdown. Teron Johnson, eight tackles, one interception, one sack. AJ Klein, ten tackles and one sack. So this is a yeah. whack crazy. This is yeah. I'm I'm definitely gonna watch this game back because yeah. it's probably, it's probably, game, it's probably of the game, game of the year. Game of the year, yeah. And Easily. it's crazy. It came down to the wire. It's it, any anything you can ask for. Any football fan, if you ask for more than this, then I don't like. You're just a spoiled football fan. That <laughs> if you're a Cardinals or a Bills fan, this is, or I guess, mainly if you're a Cardinals fan, this is probably a game you look back on. And you're like, you just keep coming back and watching the highlights. Like, this is that's an amazing game, and I think that's one of the best football games I've ever watched. I've ever had the pleasure of seeing, and I think the best unequivocally that I've ever seen was two years ago, the Rams versus the Chiefs, where they went for like it was like fifty-three to fifty-seven or some score, like. That was probably the best football game, I, in my opinion, that's ever been played. Um, NFL-wise, not including like Super Bowl and stuff, but like that was a crazy game. But yeah, mm-hmm. this Cardinals and Bills game is the best game of the year, um, and I don't think it's close. And that's one of the best plays we've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. All credit were crashing throw by Kyler Murray and amazing catch by DeAndre Huff. Yeah, and the last know, game we're gonna have. I don't know what the catch probability was because they always yeah, have this no next stats. <laughs> I definitely look at that. I saw just the only thing I've seen, it was like before the catch, like it was like 0.01 seconds before the catch was Cardinals win probability. One, it was like 1.3%. And it was like <laughs> after the catch, it was like 0.01 seconds after the catch, Cardinals percentage was like 99%. Yeah. So that was crazy. But the last game we're going to have here, the game that just ended Monday Night Football, Minnesota and Chicago. I predict Minnesota to win, Joe predicted Chicago to win. And only one of us was right. It was me. 19 to 13, the Vikings take it. Kirk Cousins gets his first ever Monday Night Football win to improve to 1 and 9 in his career on Monday Night Football. Uh, he throws for 292 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick, looking really nice down the stretch of that game. Dalvin Cook rushed for 90 yards, but that is on 30th, so very bad average. Thing he just wasn't able to get a lot going on the ground game for the majority of it. Um, the beast of the East here, so to say. Justin Jefferson in this game, eight receptions for 135 yards. Adam Thielen goes four receptions for 43 yards and two touchdowns. And for the Bears, we have one. Danny Trevathan, eight tackles and a forced fumble with the former um, Denver Broncos linebacker. And this was just a game where Kirk Cousins had it going. Dalvin Cook did not, and Nick Foles definitely not, right? The offense, once again, was not able to get anything going. In a game where David Montgomery was not playing with out with an injury, um, and their, you know, their running back that got the most carries was a wide receiver, Cordero Patterson, um, who they've kind of converted to a wide receiver slash running back. 
Uh, it's not a good game. Nick Foles didn't have anything going. Obviously, as we've mentioned previously, he, he left the game in the fourth quarter when injury got carted off the field. Matt Nagy says it's either a hip injury or a leg injury was the only information that's been disclosed to us, only information that we're able to, to know so far. So um, it's not looking no, – that's obviously a scary thing. Nick Foles for any player. So we'll see what happens there. But but Minnesota takes this one by 6, 19-13. Interesting. Uh, my, I don't want to talk about my fantasy matchup. This is just a sad – it was just a sad week, bro. Sad week. Yeah. I, my I, team is – I, like I feel like my team is – Good, but between McCaffrey and Eckler, my first two picks being injured the whole entire year at this point, like <laughs> been like two games where they both played in. Yeah, it's just like, and then I wasn't active enough in the waiver wire to get like James Robinson or or Mike Davis, some like the running backs that have played really well in, um, and like weren't really drafted. Then I like I'm just kind of lacking. Like I have really good. I always feel like I have really good wide receivers, but then I like I don't start the right ones ever because it's always a toss up. But Justin Jefferson. Deontay Johnson, Julio Jones, it was his bye this week, but like he's always a must start. And then Robbie Anderson and just so many yeah. I feel like I have a lot of good wide receivers. But then my running back depth is depth is bad. I had it was Mahomes for the bye week, so I had to get Goff off of waivers and I had to drop Devontae Parker and you know, it's like Yeah. I'm in a rough spot. I lost this week as well. Um I had some players that did really well, Kyler Murray, Josh Jacobs, Juju Smith-Schuster, but because of bye weeks to Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper and the injury of Miles Gaskin, um, I was forced to start Leonard Fournette, who put five points on the board. Um, A.J. Brown put up a whopping three. Oh. Jimmy Graham put up a whopping zero. Um, <laughs> the Eagles defense only got two, and Justin Tucker only got five. So a lot of, you know, underperforming players on this team, sadly. And I face a team that did a lot of actions. Who started Big Ben Roethlisberger, who had in a, a very, very good game. And Stephon Diggs, who we also talked about, had a really good game. And, um, yeah, yeah. This is a game, you know, I, it wasn't so awful. But, like, I'm going to take an L on this one, sadly. Um, you know, so many bye weeks and injuries. What are you going to do? This was kind of a... A week where I was still expecting to win, but it it didn't come to fruition. I'll get my number one running back back. I'll get my number one wide receiver back soon. So, you know. Yeah, me too. I'm, well. McCaffrey will probably be back. I think next week he's likely, he's like likely to play. Mm-hmm. And Eckler, I think, is going to come off of IR this week. But it's like at this point, like, I don't, like he's on. I've just kept him on my IR, which is, which is a good thing. They gave the IR this year. But like, he has not, like, he's, he, when he's been in, he's played well. But I don't know what his his impact's gonna be coming back. Like he'll be in my roster for sure because I have like my team. I feel like my team's good on paper, but like whenever it comes down to like the game time, I either don't start the right guys or then don't live up the projections. So yeah, yeah. I I'm in a boat where it's like Juju Smith-Schuster and Tyler Boyd are consistently putting up good games and Claypool as well. But it's really tough for me to start them over AJ Brown. Uh, yeah. I don't know what I want to do, and or like Amari Cooper, who's had some up and down games. So like, I really don't know what the, what this is going to be. I've tried to trade some players, but most of my trades don't go through. Yeah, I I sent a I requested to trade Robbie Anderson for Miles Sanders, and I I thought I finessed the guy because it's like wide receiver nine for like running back twenty six or something. You know, like I 
Well, she was, I mean, running back that's underperform, underperforming just because of injury pretty much. And uh, he didn't bite, so. <laughs> I offered Mari Cooper for James Robinson and Allen Robinson. And they really? didn't even, you know, they just. That, that, that same guy requested, like, Allen, I mean, James Robinson and, like, someone else for, like, Christian McCaffrey straight up. Yeah, that person. Two weeks ago. They didn't decline it. So maybe they didn't even see it. I don't know. But it's just, I don't like Zeke moving forward or it, or no. Mark. And I'm <laughs> that. And it's like, well, you know, James Robinson, you know, he's a higher, you know, he's fourth. Zeke is fifth. But like, it's Ezekiel Elliott. You know, he's a great running back. And they look at it and they're like, well, I think Amari Cooper's probably better than Ellen Robinson. And Amari Cooper's fifth overall. So, you know, maybe I execute this deal. That's what I'm hoping this, but then they didn't look at it. So I need to make some moves, hopefully. I think I'm, I'm trying to get rid of. Of Robbie Anderson for some running back, basically just because my running back depth is so thin. Um, that yeah, I was forced to like, well, I was going to force be forced to not have anyone, but I didn't know Kenyon Drake was going to play. Yeah. Um, there aren't very many teams and running, um, of running backs or that are in need of wide receivers and have running backs that are that they're willing to yeah. give up. Yeah, but like Robbie Anderson is very good, and he's had some really good weeks, but like he pretty much consistently has like. Puts up like twelve points, but when I have Julio Jones, Julio Jones is my start no matter what. He he had a few bad weeks, but then after that he puts up like twenty points every game. So we not him. And then Deontay Johnson is basically a must start at this point because he is Big Ben's favorite target in reality. He gets so many targets and a ton of yards, like touchdown machine. He's so shifty. Um, yeah, and then. My flex, yeah. my flex is basically has to be a wide receiver because I, I like no matter what running back I have, I'm pretty sure it's going to be CMC and Eckler in the starting spots, and then like just three wide receivers unless James Conner has a really easy matchup because yeah that was a dud of it. I traded Kareem Hunt for James Conner and Kenyon Drake, which I thought was a good trade at the time, and nice. Kenyon Drake will be right away. Nice. But then, since then, it has not panned out very well. <laughs> no, I, I need to. I haven't made any trades here. I've offered some. Um, and none of them went through. I was actually going to try to make a Kenyon Drake at some point in another time. It just never got looked at. Um, to me? No, like it was before. Okay. Before you trade. It was like right before like my trade that I had sent expired like the day before your trade. The day before you sent your trade request. For mm-hmm. So, yeah, it didn't work out. I mean, this is, comes to the point in fantasy leagues that if you're doing bad, a lot of people just quit and stop caring about it until the next year, which is annoying. Because I was facing, yeah, last week I faced a guy who left, like, some people run buy-in and stuff. But. Yeah, it's it's annoying. I'm with you, but what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. I want to start a Dynasty League, though, because I was hearing about it. And it seems really interesting. What even is that? So it's where you have, a, you have a startup draft where it's just like a normal fantasy draft. But then you stick with the same team where you can drop players and add players, but they there's a new draft every single year, but it's only with the rookies. So your team is like humongous and you can draft players um, okay. and stuff. So it's, it's a lot more long-term. Deeper leagues, which are also kind of similar. It's like you draft a team every year, but they, you can like every single year, like you have like three or four slots. And it's like, those are, if you had that player last year, you can keep like three players that you had last year on your and it's like, every, like three designated spots. So in theory, unless you trade them, like if the first time you like I had a one of my friend's dads was in a keeper league for is in a keeper league for years. And for, you know, like five years, 
he kept Antonio Brown on his team is just because he had a, that was just one of his slot players that he would keep every time. So mm-hmm. that would be cool. But you know, yeah, definitely. Or like, if, if I think a dynasty league would be fun. Or I heard about like league types where there's no like the waiver wire, like there's no waiver order, but you get like a waiver budget and you can spend a portion of your budget on players, and then like eventually you'll run out of money. But I think I think that's a little bit more fair than like because I don't really understand how the waiver wire works. And, like, why sometimes I'm super high and why sometimes I'm super low. <laughs> like, I get, like, I like the budget system, but then it's, like, what happens if you, like, get down to down to the nitty-gritty and you're towards the end of the season and it's, like, nobody, but there's, like, an amazing guy there that's just nobody can, like, that sucks. Yeah, that's fair. But, I don't know. Uh, that just seems like an interesting concept, but. It makes people reluctant to use the waivers, right? Because it's, like, James Robinson, like, nobody would have picked James Robinson up until, like, week six <laughs> yeah ever gonna keep producing he's just some random undrafted guy like no one was ever gonna pick him up so. I, so I saw that it was like a draft strategy where you like go after wide receivers like a, a good wide receiver first round a good tight end a good like wide receiver again and then you wait like till you're really late to draft a running back and then like you um you just are super active in the waiver wire right away and you just get like because there's always guys like james robinson mike davis um no one else is really coming to mind, but like players that weren't really drafted, but are yeah. still, you know. Yeah, that's like that makes sense, and I understand that. But then on the flip side, I've seen strategies that are the exact other way. Like you spend <laughs> your on pick on like a Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, and then every week you go after you you're active on the waiver wire and pick up DJ Chark, like Claypool, yeah, Boyd, or Chase Claypool, or like Justin Jefferson, and so mm-hmm. I don't even know. Claypool's in an interesting situation in fantasy in particular because, yeah, he, he's a touchdown machine, but then every once in a while, like, I don't think his yards are exactly, like, he doesn't get the targets that he did against this, the Eagles, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's so good. I like Claypool, especially for the future. Like, if they were in a dynasty league, Claypool's a big old, <laughs> you got to keep him for sure, but. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, um. So there, there you have it for our episode 57 there, our week 10 analysis of all of our games there and some fantasy football discussion at the end. Always fun. Always fun. So um, we've, we've had some discussions of possible things we might be able to do this Wednesday. Um, so we'll possibly have you out an interesting tidbit episode on Wednesday. We'll see. And then obviously Friday we'll be back here with our, with our predictions for the next week. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, you got anything to say in, in our closing, Joe? You know, um, yeah, check out the Instagram and I'm, I'll, I might put a poll on there for, we've had two ideas for episodes. Um, but I think, I think we're probably going to do our like quote tier list and, and between bottom feeder, then average, then like playoff hopefuls and then like playoff teams and then Super Bowl contenders, I think is what we, we mentioned before. So that can be that could be interesting, and we'll of course our go to episode for like our quote go to episode um, is just we always just say we're, we'll go over our predictions so far and see how they're faring, but <laughs> that doesn't seem like it's exactly a fun idea. So if we think of something else, we'll almost always go with the other thing. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, that and it was like earlier in this in this year would just say like talk about fantasy football for an episode and our teams and stuff, <laughs> but we never actually do it. Because we do that every single day. Yeah, every single time we're on here. So every, We discuss our fantasy at some point or another. But, um, yeah, that's what we've got for you today. Like I mentioned, 
all as well. We'll have probably have to do some kind of interesting episode on Wednesday that we we haven't done yet. So um, yeah, you know mm-hmm. how it is. Plus, here at the Colton and Joe Show, we are peacing. <laughs>